My sermon today comes from Isaiah 43. So if you guys have your Bibles with you, you guys can turn to Isaiah 43. Um, Alright, Isaiah 43, uh, verses 18 through 19. Uh, it's a short verse. It says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and with rivers in the desert. Um, so this is, comes from Isaiah. You know, I just took my um, Old Testament class this past semester and I had to read through like <laughs> so much reading in that class. And one of the things that the way one of the blessings that I had was I was able to um, read through Isaiah and, and do like this long term paper on Isaiah. But, um, bef- you know, we kind of need to know the context of this passage for um, you know, I think, I think it's a really long book. And so before we begin, we need to look at the context of this passage and context of uh, Isaiah. And, and it'll be really short. But in a nutshell, the book of Isaiah can be broken up into two books. I don't know if you've ever done any kind of commentary search on Isaiah, but usually it's broken up into two books. There'll be a commentary on Isaiah 1 through 39, and then another um, I, another commentary on um, Isaiah 40 to 66. Because a lot of theologians, they think that it's two separate books. Um, two volumes in a sense. And so Isaiah chapters 1 through 39 focuses on Israel's rebellion against God. You know, like Israel, they start to rebel against God. They start to going after, you know, false gods and the religions of, you know, um, you know, the, the, the pagan religions that were in that area. And Isaiah warns Israel to turn back to God, stop following after these, you know, false other gods. And, and, and we know that they don't. And Isaiah prophesies that they will be conquered um, by Babylon and, you know, and taken into exile, which actually happens, right? Now, chapters 40 through 66, some people believe that it's written not by Isaiah, but his original writings were basically like his chapters 1 to 39 were sealed, and, and it was passed down through the, the generations. And then 150 years after the death of Isaiah, his disciples opened up the scrolls, and from his writing added chapters 40 to 66. A lot of theologians kind of, or scholars kind of think that that's what happened, because um, chapters 40 to 66 um, are written from the perspective of someone that's living during the exile, which was 150 years before, um, you know, Isaiah was around. Um, and so uh, a lot of people think that it's two separate books and it, it kind of was like Isaiah and then his followers and his disciples that kind of added the later chapters. Um, some people believe that Isaiah was being like super prophetic, that 150 years before the exile, he actually wrote it, um, wrote ex- Isaiah from the perspective of somebody uh, living in the exile and and was it that prophetic like was able to have the perspective of somebody that was living in the exile um, you know so you know however like line of thought that you have towards uh, Isaiah and and, and 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 how it's broken up it's clear that chapters 40 to 66 has a message of hope right uh, what we read today this is a message of hope right uh, the people of Israel are living in exile, right? And and when you when you read uh, the book of Isaiah, there's this overarching theme of judgment and hope, right? It's not just about judgment, because in the you know if you ever if you've ever read through Isaiah, the first like like twenty chapters are very depressing. Right? I remember being on the subway a long time ago and reading through Isaiah and just feeling like you know just like really just like. You know, like it's just—it's all about judgment. But then it just—that's not what Isaiah is about. The, the 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 main thrust of Isaiah, right, is judgment. But it also there's hope there. There's hope after judgment, right? That judgment comes, 
um, but not without hope. The judgment is actually for Israel's benefit in the end, for them to turn back and, and, and have the hope that they have in God. And this is the context for this passage in uh, chapter 43 that we just read. It's for a generation of people who've been conquered and living in exile in Babylon. They were exiled for 70 years. Uh, there were some that experienced the fall of Jerusalem. They were there, you know, old people. They probably were like teenagers when, you know, you know, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came and conquered Jerusalem and, and destroyed the city and the temple and took them off into, you know, captivity. Um, and then now, you know, they're really old. They're probably in their, you know, like 80s and, you know, like, like, you know, they, they experienced that. They know, they, they, they know what happened and they all know about the history of God and his people, about the patriarchs and something that's been passed down through the generations about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and his 12 sons about, you know, them um, being slaves in Egypt for four, 400 years and then God liberating them through miracles and then them, you know, like the crossing the Red Sea and all of that. And, and, and they know about the kings, they know about Solomon and they know about David and they know about all of the, the bad kings that came and, and, and the, these people that are in exile, they have an understanding of all of everything that's happened throughout history and, and how they turned away from the prophets that God had sent and ultimately how they were conquered by Babylon. You know, they know about the northern kingdom being conquered by Assyria, like, you know, a hundred, hundred years before that. And then they know about, um, you know, their, how they were conquered. You know, these, these, you know, 70 years isn't that long in a sense. So there are people that are reading this and hearing this of having experienced you know, the, the history of, of all that has happened to the people of God. They know all this, and they're living in oppression. They're living as exiles, you know, like, you guys are, um, you know, like, from other countries, you know, and you guys are living in Korea, but you guys aren't here in exile, right? Like, you can always go back. No one is forcing you to be here. No one, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, it, it, but they, they were forced to be there. There were people that were in exile. They were in captivity. And then God gives him these words. It says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? It will make, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So God tells them about what happened. You know, you know, tells them to forget about what happened. Don't consider the things of old, right? And we have to understand that this isn't God telling People to forget about the past because God is always about remembering what He has done, right? When they go through, when they come out of um, Egypt and they're crossing into, they're crossing the Jordan River. They they they, they tell them to collect stones from within the the, the river and, and make a monument so that they can remember. There's always God's always about remembering what He has done through the past. So, so He's not telling them to all of a sudden like you know be you know forget have amnesia about everything that's happened. But he's telling them to not dwell in the past, right? Uh, he's telling the Israelites not let the past define them. Because, you know, like, he's doing a new thing. He's saying that don't let your mind and your consciousness be stuck in what happened in the past because I'm doing a new thing. In your mind and in your heart and in your consciousness, if you're stuck in the past, you will not be able to perceive what God, the new thing that God is doing now, the new thing that He is currently doing. Now we're supposed to learn from our past. The Israelites were supposed to learn from the past, the mistakes that they made. They were supposed to learn from it, but they weren't supposed to dwell there and remain there and let their thought patterns and the way that they live and and the things that they do and the things that they 
they process in their minds be defined by what happened in the past. Now, if you, if we, when we look at this kind of situation, there are two ways that we can dwell on the past, right? One way is we dwell on our past mistakes. I've, I've done that plenty of times, right? And we dwell on our past mistakes, our past sins, or our past failures. You know, whatever bad thing that may have happened, or the bad ways that we were, or, or you know, you know, the failures that we've had in the past, we start to define our present and even our future based on what happened in the past. Right? We limit ourselves based on what we did in the past. We limit ourselves based on the failures, failures and the mistakes that we made in the past. I can't be a church leader because, you know, I came from, you know, I used to be so bad. I used to like sin all the time, right? Blah, 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 right? We limit ourselves. We get stuck in the past because we dwell on and we give power to the mistakes that we've made in the past, right? The sins of our past, the errors of our past, the failures of our past. I've known people that are really backslidden and they can't even walk into church because of the shame and the weight of the mistakes that they have made in the past. Uh, I remember when I first came to Korea, I came as a broken man. You know, I was, really was broken. Um, and I, and I had so much shame on me. And I remember, you know, coming to church, you know, I like, I had this aunt that was, I still have an aunt that's really like very religious and she's very, you know, she can be very strong-willed. And so she told me like, you have to go to church. And so I started going to church as soon as I came to Korea. And I remember being there and feeling like, like I, I didn't belong, right? And I felt so disqualified because I had come from just such a, a messed up past where you know I, I lived such a bad lifestyle, and so I mean, every time I go, I, I would just go just to appease my aunt, you know. And then and then like as soon as like you know it was over, I would just dip out. I would leave immediately, right? I didn't want to hang around, talk to people, right? But sometimes you know we get stuck, you know, in in, in our past, and we think that you know like. Like God holds a grudge and that, you know, like God hasn't let go of our, our sin patterns yet. And, 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 you know, we think that like, you know, he, he has it out for us sometimes. No, God doesn't hold grudges. He's not like us. And, and, you know, and, and so many times God, the Bible tells us God has forgotten about our sins, right? If we are in Christ Jesus. But so many times we allow what happened in the past to define how we see ourselves in the present, how we see ourselves in the future. So, you know, so this, this is the way that we, we dwell in the past, right? Sometimes, you know, we, we live with the fear of failure. That's another thing that it can, our past can affect our present, right? We, we may have pursued something in the past and we failed and, and we dropped the ball, we screwed it up, you know, and then, you know, we get stuck on that failure. And so that, you know, we don't attempt anything into the future. We get, we kind of get stuck. We kind of get into this stagnant place where we don't want to really move forward because of the failures that we've attempted in the past. And if I, if I try, if I don't try, I won't fail. And so I won't attempt it and, and I won't lose. And that becomes our model in life at times. And a lot of times, you know, we don't see any growth in our lives because we, we, because of the way that we've we define ourselves based on the failures of our past. But God tells us, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old, so that, so that, you know, that we, we're not supposed to get stuck in the past, you know, the, the, the mistakes of our past, the failures of our past, right? Or, you know, another way that we dwell on the past is we dwell on our past successes, right? We, we dwell on the past blessings, right? 
know, my 20s were awesome. And like, you know, things will never be like it was back then. In my 20s, you know, I, I, my 20s were not that awesome, right? Like I, I had a really bad, you know, 20s. My 30s were pretty awesome, right? And like, you know, like people think like, oh, you know, like the way that it was back then was so great, you know, and, 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 and we start to do, we start to like, like establish our present based on the good times in the past, right? You know, one way that we do this is we, like, we, we, me and Mina, we have a tendency to kind of see it in this way because our church in the past was a lot bigger. It was a lot, you know, like, you know, it was a lot well known and, you know, our, our church was a lot bigger and our church up in Seoul was like, we had like five campuses and, and, and we had these retreats that were really amazing. And so sometimes we, you know, we, we look at the past and we think, oh, it was so good. Right? It will never be as good as it was in the past. And then we start to kind of define our, our present based on what we experienced in the past. Right. It was so great back then, you know, and, 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 and you know, we think that the Holy Spirit, you know, was so present and the Holy Spirit was so free. Like people were getting, you know, like, like, Set free left and right. If you look at Mina and my life, right, we are, we are products of what God did in our church, like in 2008, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, right? Like, like people, you know, like our lives, like completely changed, right? Mina was, she was like a club, you know, like we went to this, this wedding recently and they had this dance party and then we could tell all of the people that used to go clubbing and Mina was one of them, right? Cause she was all dancing and then you could tell right away, right? No, we, we come from very broken paths and, and, and God really, you know, did an amazing thing in us. But that, that's kind of the way that our church was back in the days. And we're tempted to think like things will never be that good again, right? Or we think about the good and, and the success of our past and we hold on to it so tightly that it becomes a point of pride for us. You know, it was so good, so awesome, you know, like, you know, those, those, it'll never be that good again, you know, and, you know, there's an example of this when the Israelites leave Babylon, right, and, and, and they come back to Jerusalem and they start rebuilding the temple and then, um, they, 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 they make, build the foundation for the temple, right, and then they, they build an altar and they dedicate it unto the Lord. And there was these, all, all these old women, like the, the young people were celebrating, like, hey, hurrah! But then you see all these old people and they were weeping, right? In the Bible it says that they were weeping because they remembered how amazing and how much more glorious and how much bigger, right, the temple of Solomon was, that one that were destroyed by the Babylonians, right? And so they, they are defining their past, right? They're defining their present based on what they experienced in the past. It will never be that good again, right? And they were weeping. No, it's a time of celebration. They're out of captivity. They're, they're rebuilding the temple of the Lord, and and these old men were weeping because of what they experienced in the past, right? But God doesn't want us to to remain there, right? And and another way that we get stuck in the past is we think that God can only bless us the way that God blessed us in the past, right? But a lot of times we see things this way, like 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 God blessed us in this amazing way in the past, and then we oh can only Think like, oh, God can only bless me if He does that again, right? And we limit God and we think that, you know, like we, whatever blessings that come, right? We don't really see them as blessings sometimes because it's, it's, it's not in the form that God blessed us with it in the past, right? But God doesn't want us to define our present and our future by what happened in the past, right? You know why? Because Satan knows our past, right? Satan loves to use our past against us. And when we get stuck in the past, dwelling in the past, we're usually listening to the lies of the enemy. Right? 
Because the devil knows our past, he does not know our future. Only God knows our future. Only God is omniscient. Only he knows everything. The devil only knows about our past, so he's going to try to use it Use your past, your story, what happened to you, how things were back then to get you stuck. He's going to manipulate your past with lies and deceptions and get you stuck and get you looking back, regret, or looking back and saying like, oh, it was so good. You know, like our present will never be as good as it was in the past. We, he will take your memories and your emotions and feelings tied to the past. And if the past was good, he'll get, you know, he'll be like, oh man, it was so good, it'll never be that good again. And if it was bad, you know, we, you know, we will, he'll get us stuck in regret, right? We'll, he'll get us to wallow in regret. And he will tell us that we will be this way forever, we'll never get past this. He'll try to define us by our sins, our failures, and our regrets from the past. But the devil's a liar, right? The devil's a liar, and the truth is, God tells us the truth is that he is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. He tells us to forget about our past because he's doing a new thing. God is always doing a new thing. He's a creator of time. Every moment of time that is new, right? You know, remember when the computer wasn't working, right? Right? And now it's working, right? This, this, it's a new, like it's, it's a continued, like that was the past. This is now. This is the new, right? God, and you know who's the source of that is God. He's a source of time, right? He's always doing a new thing. He says that we are the new creation, right? That 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 old is gone and the new has come. He tells us that as new creations, we're destined for a new heaven and a new earth, right? That's his end goal. God's end goal for us is not an end, but it's it, it will end with new, right? Everything will be new. And what God is saying is He's doing a new thing in the lives of His people. And He tells the people of Israel, don't dwell in the past, don't get stuck in the past, your sins, your failures, and don't look the way that I, don't look at the way I delivered you in the past because I'm gonna do a new thing. I'm gonna do a thing that's gonna be brand new to you, right? It's not gonna look like the way that it was before. When God freed the Israelites from Egypt, their obstacle was what? Was water, right? It was a Red Sea, right? And he parts the sea and then they cross. But now God tells them that he's making rivers in the desert. What was the barrier, what was the obstacle back then is now what's going to be the blessing for them now and the new thing that he does. So is it a new thing where the thing that was your struggle, the thing that was your barrier, your difficulty, the thing that tried to destroy you, he's going to take it and do a new thing and turn it into a blessing. And it's the way that we see it in, in, in history, right? The Israelites, their oppressor was was what back in the day, right? Was was a king, right? Was king the Pharaoh, right? They were under Pharaoh and and, and his armies, and he was a great oppressor. But what happens now when as Isaiah is writing this, right? The king now becomes their liberator. Isaiah 45, I think I have this. Right. It says, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him and to lose the belt of kings to open the doors before him that the gates may not be closed. And we read, we read in Ezra 1, what actually happened is that in the first year of King Cyrus, Cyrus the king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout this realm 
and also to put it in writing. Right? And then he says that the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. And so he lets the, the, the people of Israel go. Like, hey, you guys have been, you know, like, you know, in captivity for 70 years. I want you guys to go and, and build the temple in Jerusalem for the Lord. Right? In Egypt, right? During Egypt, their, their problem was the king and now, in the new thing God is doing, right, the king is actually their liberator. What was the oppressor then? The king was over them. Now is the one that God uses to bring liberation and freedom into the lives of the Israelites. And he says, look, don't look at the past. Look to now. Look to, look at the new thing that I am doing. And brothers and sisters, God is telling us today to stop dwelling on our past, at our past mistakes, our regrets, and even our past blessings and successes. Because when we have our eyes focused on the past, we will not perceive the new thing that God is doing in the present. The new thing that God wants to do in your life. You know, and, and, and this has, this lesson has brought me so much freedom and joy in my life. Right? Because if God has called me, if He has called me, you know, He, He is with me, that, that He, you know, He will bless me, that He, He, He will open the doors for me, that He will do, like, like, like I, I, I'm not going to define what God's going to do now based on what He has done in the past. Right? In the past, God has done amazing things for me. Right? Like there, I have testimonies in my life where I think about it, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Right? Me being married is a huge testimony, right? And like like me going back to school is a huge testimony. God has done, this, but but He frees up my heart to know that like like I to not have fear because. God is doing a new thing. Like, like whenever a new a, a new thing comes to an end, God will do a new thing, right? To 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 open up those doors for me again. And my security doesn't come from what it was like back then. My ultimate security comes from what He will do. That He's doing a new thing. He's making a way in the wilderness. He's making rivers in the desert. And what I thought was my struggle and my fear. And my obstacle, God's going to turn it around and do a new thing. He's going to turn those into a blessing. Whether you're in a season of transition or whether you're feeling struck or may, you may feel like plateaued in your life, you know, like, like, you know, you may be in this, this state where it's, everything's just the same and you haven't really seen much change in your life and it's just going, right? God wants you to know that He's doing a new thing. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? But here's the thing. It isn't easy. As a matter of fact, it can be a little scary to anticipate a new thing that God is, does in your life. Now, a lot of times we don't know what it is. Some of us are like me. We look at the unknown with a bit of fear and trepidation. Some of you guys love change. Who loves change here? There are some people that my, life, my wife loves change, right? It's one of the parts aspects of her that it's a little bit annoying <laughs> she like she loves change she embraces it like like you know in, in that in the movie frozen where like into the unknown and she loves the unknown right me i'm like dude like it's scary right i'm the type that like like i like to know the unknown before i go step into it right but sometimes it's, it's scary to look at the new thing that god is doing we we think maybe it's you know is it, it it is new, but it may not be God. 
or you know this isn't for me you know like i like the comforts of the familiar i like the the way i like it was it was comfortable the way that things were in back in the days you know like it's you know like the unknown can be a little scary we see an example of this you know in the israelites as they leave egypt god uses supernatural means to free them and they're in the wilderness and all of a sudden they're like oh man we don't have any meat let's go back to egypt right like they have this mentality like oh like, i like I'd rather have meat, right, and be in slavery than, like, face the unknown, right? It's just human nature. It can be like this for us sometimes. And this is where love comes in. Because if you are fostering a true relationship with God, where you experience His love and you know that He loves you, no matter what, that He is for you, that he, his love for you is furious and you truly believe that nothing, no life, nor death, nor, nor angels, or principalities, no heaven, or, you know, the future, or the past, or any power, right? No height nor depth can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If that is what you are holding on to, if that's the truth in your heart, the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear. And when we take our eyes off of our past, we have to focus on something, right? Well, if you want to see what God is doing, the new thing that God is doing, you have to be looking at God. Have your eyes and your hearts focused on Him. Anxiety comes when we take our eyes off of Him. And we focus in on ourselves. Oh, what am I going to do? I've, I've asked that question so many times. When like some, some, some change happens in our life, I'd be like, oh. Or we focus on other people, we look at what's happening to other people, and then, you know, we start to compare and feel anxious. We take our eyes off of Jesus, just like Peter. When Peter, right, he, he was on, Jesus is walking on water, and then, and Peter's like, oh, come on, walk on water with you, and he has his eyes set on Jesus. He starts walking on water, right? He's like, like, oh, I'm doing it, right? But then what happens? As soon as he takes his eyes off of Jesus, he starts to sink. He's like, oh, help me, Jesus, right? It's whenever, whatever season you are in, take your eyes off of the past and don't look to the future or what he's doing now, but set it on God. Because your heart and mind on, set your heart and your mind on him, dwell on him, abide in him. You know, he and you and, and you and him, he is the true vine, we are the branches. As we dwell in him, we will show, he will show us what he is doing and the new thing that he's going to do in our lives. We're not going to be able to know unless we have our eyes set on Him. So many times, either we're looking at the past, or we're stuck in the present, or we're just looking to the future, but we don't have our eyes set on God. And when we see the new, the, the new thing that God is doing, the only way that we're going to be able to step out in faith and in obedience is if we are looking at Him. That's like Peter. Only way that His faith is going to manifest him walking on that water as if it has his eyes set on Jesus. New, new requires faith. New requires obedience. It's not easy. But we know that if it is God's perfect will, if God, you know, that he, he, he knows what's best for us, right? And it's also the, the safest place that we can be. So you guys, God's not a fortune cookie. You don't crack him open to get a piece of paper that tells you what we're, we're supposed to do or what we're supposed to be doing. Right? A lot of times we, we treat God like that. God, what am I supposed to do? Give me an answer. Right? And we, we expect like a fortune cookie to fall from the sky. We crack it open and it's like, oh, 
you know, like go to school or get a job or, you know, like move to this country or like, you know, a lot of times we think God's supposed to be like that. But you know what? He's a person and it requires relationship for us to not just hear, but understand his plans for us. A lot of times we treat him like one of those fortune, you know, machines where we're supposed to get it. We train him like, you know, he's like a Ouija board. Like, give us an answer. I need an answer from you. Well, God is saying, hey, I want you to be in relationship with me and I'm going to walk you to where you're supposed to go. Right? Isn't that so much better than just getting directions? I remember like we, like, like, you know, like, like, like when navigation it started, it's like the greatest thing, right? It's a wisdom when somebody tells you, like, gives you instructions and you're just like, you just get lost, right? What's the amazing thing about navigation? That navigation stays with you every step of the way. Oh, you made a wrong turn. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go this way. So many times we just want to answer. We just want direction from God. We just want Him to do this, do that. Give me an answer. Give, tell me what I'm supposed to do. But God is saying, hey, I want to be in a relationship with you where you know you know where, where you're supposed to go because I'm, I'm walking you there. He's with you. He's with us in our journey. Some of us, we fail because we think we know what God has planned for us and we take off before He tells us what we're, what we're supposed to do to accomplish it. Right? Like, we, you, like, you might actually kind of like assume, you, like, you, your assum- assumption might be right. God wants you to go here and do this. And your abs- assumption might be right, then you just go, right, without even thinking. It's like God wants you to knock down a tree and I go and I start pushing and kicking this tree to knock it down, right? Like, God, you want me to knock down this tree? I'm going to knock it down. I go down, I start kicking it. You know, like, you know, like kickboxer. Have you ever seen that movie Kickboxer where the guy, he started kicking this tree and he knocks it down. I'm like, ah, I'm going to kick it. And my legs all like bruised up. And then I would have failed to realize that there's an axe standing next to me that I'm supposed to pick up and use to knock down this tree, right? We, we go without really thinking. We go without praying. But what does Jesus tell us? John 15, it says, Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the key. That's the key to understanding the new thing that God is doing in your life. Right? It's not about direction. It's not about an answer. It's not about, you know, like a, a fortune cookie that God tells you. It's like, you're going to do this. It's about being connected to Jesus, abiding in Him and saying, God, where are we going? We're in the same car, right? We're riding in the same car. And God is driving, right? Jesus, take the wheel. Who sang that song? I forget. Carrie Underwood, right? What is that, American Idol? But it's like we're in the car with Jesus and He's guiding us. He's taking us to where we're supposed to go. It's not about, you know, us, us getting an answer and just going there and doing it on our own. It says, abide in me and, and, and you will bear much fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Sometimes we have good intentions. Sometimes we have pure heart and we, we, we just go. But then a lot of times we kind of leave God behind. 
But we're, we're, we're supposed to go with Him on that journey. God's telling us, stop dwelling in the past. I'm doing a new thing. Don't, don't dwell in the past because you're not going to be able to perceive the new thing that I'm doing. But the new thing that I'm doing, you're going to be able to get there. You're going to be able to do it right. And you're going to be able to do it correctly. If you remain in me, abide in my heart. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And the new thing that he is doing in the midst of us is going to come through him in a relationship with him. He's going to be the one that guides us to where we're supposed to go. So I'll stand up. We're going to close in prayer, but I just want to encourage you guys. Now, some of you guys might feel, you know, a loss. Some of you guys might feel like you have, you don't have direction in your life. Some of you guys are, might be like this where the past is, 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 is what's causing you to kind of be stuck. You're kind of in this place where you feel stuck. You might be defining your present based on what you experienced in the past. Some of some of you guys might feel like you've plateaued. Some of you guys might feel you guys are stagnant in your faith. But I want I want you guys to know that the answer isn't you know in 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 in, in trying to figure out. Right, the new thing. The, the answer isn't in trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. Because a lot of times when we try to do that, we're basing that on our own understanding. And there's plenty of times where I feel like, God, I want to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And a lot of times I'm not listening to God. I'm just trying to figure it out on my own. But God is saying, I'm doing a new thing. I'm, it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? He's making... You know, he's making ways in the wilderness. He's making rivers through the desert. He's he's taking the the, the the obstacles that you may have had in the past and he's making it into your blessing for your future. But it requires you to set your eyes on him. Set your eyes on what on him as a person in relationship. As you set your eyes and your hearts on him, he will be with you. And He will guide you and He will walk with you to the new thing that He's doing. It requires relationship. So I want to pray for you guys. Lord, I just pray for every single person in this place. God, may Your grace and Your blessings be upon them. May they have our eyes set on You. May they not dwell in the past. May they not define themselves based on what happened in the past. But may they be able to see the new thing that He is doing. The new thing that you are doing right now. May be able to, may they be able to see it, Lord, not in themselves, but may they be able to see it in you. As they set their eyes on you and as they focus on you, may they, may they, when they abide and remain in you, Lord, may you reveal it and not just reveal it, but may you, may you walk them through this process, God. Help us to know that we are never alone, that you are with me, with us. You say, never will I leave you, never will you forsake us, Lord. So we thank you, we thank you for being a God of newness. We thank you that you continually do new things, that all new things come from you, God. So we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise today. May the 
May the Lord of the new, may the God of the new, that all new things flow from, may He set you on your path into the newness of life that He has for each and every one of you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.